Welcome to the Black Magnificent Life Podcast with your host, Sister Dr. Mongaza Michael Bondale. Join us now as we showcase lessons from Black achievement as example and instruction for how you can live greatly. So welcome to the Black Magnificent Life Podcast with Sister Dr. Mongaza. In this space, oh, we celebrate historic and everyday examples of Black beauty, power, and genius in a world trained not to see. This is the space where we remind you of the pure joy in simply being exactly who you are. And our intention is to use lessons from Black achievement as instruction for learning thinking skills and action habits for producing a magnificent, indeed, Blacknificent life. Most importantly, we want you to just be invited. Know this is your welcome space for knowing Black achievement as a launching pad that informs and activates your own greatness. Can I tell you just how happy I am to have you guys with us today and to share just a gem of a sister that we're getting ready to talk to in just a minute. So listen, this, this young woman, she was born, and this, these are her words, she was born to educate, inspire, and empower others. Her work in, recognizes and celebrates the wonder and the divine power that we each are. How about that? So get ready to step into a knowing that is ancestral, that is universal, and that is a truth. This young woman, she's a certified integrative nutrition health coach, and she received her training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She also is the owner of a full-service holistic life coaching company. This is a company that is uh, created as a safe space where powerful women of color, women who may feel a bit exhausted, stuck, unfulfilled, or simply need to reset, where we can go, you can go, to unapologetically transform into your most authentic and healthy self. And... And this is what we're going to focus a lot on today. She's the author of an extraordinary book entitled From Jersey to Me. It's a memoir and it's infused with music when you get the digital version. But it's a very thoughtful piece that encourages you to reflect in the mirror, to discover your own level of self-honesty. And we want you to consider it a toolkit complete with an interactive workbook, journaling prompts, self-discovery mantras, just, just a, a, a full and robust resource guide. It's a support for you in creating the life you desire while becoming more connected to your own divinity. So join me in welcoming Wendy Cherry to the Magnificent Life podcast. Welcome, Thank Wendy. You. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I totally appreciate the time and you sharing my work. It's my first book, so I'm excited. First, and I don't know that it's going to be your last, but whether it is or it isn't, it's going to be the, just a gift. It already is a gift to the world. So thank you for writing it. Thank you for coming on the show today to share some of it with us, just to let us know about the work that you've done. So l listen, now that's a big title. Your book is a memoir and it looks at through your, I say through your life, you tell a story about awakening and healing a goddess. Again, the title from Jersey to me, the awakening and healing of a goddess. That goddess would be you, huh? Yes, ma'am. It's all of us, the God within all of us. So, so tell us how you began this journey and first 
writing a book of this sort. And then we want to talk a bit about who you have become as goddess. Okay. Well, um, when I was young, I was always told that I tell good stories and I had a good memory. So my mom just said, like, when I was young, you should write a book one day. And um, as I got older and kind of went through a few different things and started to know myself and remove myself from situations and come to the understanding. Ultimately, it was me coming to the understanding that the places where I was, was because of myself. And I couldn't blame anything else. It was because of the choices that I'd made and that I could change it. And I had the power to change it. And the main thing that I was dealing with was, um, corporate America. That's where I kind of like cut my teeth at understanding that I wasn't valued and I wasn't my, my, my talent, my time and my treasure wasn't appreciated as those of lighter skin hue was appreciated. And it was sort of blatant and it actually was physically and emotionally, you know, making me sick to be honest. And so once I came to the realization that I had the power to change it, I did. And in that transition, I decided to just start studying. And you know how they say when you know the, the student is ready, the teacher appeared. Well, that's exactly what happened to me. I just started getting information coming from everywhere. And so the information would be like, I started to attract different uh, books. And so I'll give you an example. Our mutual friend, uh, Anthony Browder, I started to attract his information and then the people who taught him. So I sort of like reverse engineered. I read his stuff and then I wanted to see who his influences were. So then I started to move backwards. And then I got introduced to Dr. Clark and then Dr. Ben and then people like that. And they were blowing my mind because I was never raised with any of this information. And nobody in my family was raised with any of this information for generations. So I found myself really overwhelmed, honestly, trying to sift and sort through the information and to really see what resonated with me because I come from a more traditional um, spiritual system. And in that spiritual system, I kind of felt like a sheep. So though I was getting great information, I did not plan to go back to being a sheep just because somebody who is a luminary said something that I'm supposed to believe it. Okay. So I just really started to dig in and ask um, the creator to help me to begin to hone my own intuition, intellect, and instinct. And then that's when I started to remember that I was a goddess. Okay, now you're talking about historians. When you say you began to reverse engineer, yes. being introduced through Brother Browder, a renowned yes. historian, and more, so much more. And so you discover Doc Ben, Yosef Ben Yakanin, Dr. John Henry Clark. These are historians. So yeah. help help our audience to understand the significance of knowing these gentlemen and the work that they produced, reading that history once past, to actually cultivating 
a different life for yourself? How could history impact you in that way? Well, because they helped me to understand who I was. Like, I did not know the greatness that, you know, were African people. You know, I, I grew up in New Jersey, hence the um, title of the book, From Jersey to Me. So I did have a seed planted by a group called the Nation of the Earths and the Gods. Okay. And they're like a 5%, kind of like, uh, they're a 5% nation, sort of like an offshoot of Islam, but not really. It's hard to explain, but I grew up with them in the early 80s. Okay. And they always used to say, the Black man is God. But my grandma said that was not true. So I was listening to my grandma and I was not believing what these young black men, like I was in middle school in the eighties, in the early eighties. And these middle school black men, black little boys were saying that they were gods and they all changed their names and they gave themselves names like true God and wisdom and power. And I'm like, whoa, I I just never considered it. So as I was reading Dr. Ben, you know, in modern times, so this might've been just like eight years ago, about eight years ago, I was reading those things and I was being transported back to middle school when those young black men, black boys were saying that they were gods and Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark and Tony Browder and and them were showing me in a book where that was true. And it changed my life. It opened my eyes. So the book is called From Jersey to Me, The Awakening and Healing of a Goddess. And that's where I started to have my awakening. And when I was waking from my slumber, I was feeling so much better. I was feeling so much, so much more powerful. And I was feeling so much more informed. And then that lent to my healing, my emotional healing. Um, my, you know, I feel like a spiritual healing and evolution happened and, um, I was grateful. And you know, what's so interesting. I, I got a lot of the books, but I did it on YouTube. So I use modern technology also okay. because I was able to drive in the car and drive for hours and hours and get an entire lecture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Still absorbing the knowledge. So I was using the modern technology and I have the books in my library and I can share them with people. But the best way I used how I consume information the best and that's how I did it. And so that's how I did it. And so that's how I was able to use sort of like ancient African wisdom for modern healing. You're making so many great points here. Um, um, As you know, the Black Nificent Life Learning Complex uses history as a launching pad uh, for living the the greatest life that that one could imagine. And that history has everything to do with your self-perception and self-perception really runs your world. And so what you're pointing to is not only that it was history, it was an understanding, a fuller, I say a more truthful understanding of who people like you have been, who you are, whose legacy you represent in the world. It's having a fuller understanding of the greatness that is who we are historically and in present day, but particularly in, in, in the historical frame. And you're pointing to how 
this doesn't have to be a, a excavation into the archives that takes all day, every day that it is. Yeah. yeah particularly considering, you know, this digital age that we live in, this right. is a healing. I say, um, a remembering a overcoming amnesia, as we often say on the podcast, amnesia is a disease, a pathology for a reason. So without that memory, you really are at a disadvantage. And you're pointing to how one can begin that healing and remember fully who we are with relative ease, given YouTube and the other platforms available to us. Great pointing to, great pointing to. So now your book, Quite fascinating. Let's let's jump to that because I say, and, and tell me if this fits, I say that you tracked your life for the world to use as a pathway to how one really gets to heal oneself when there's awareness. Would, would that be accurate? Right. Yes, ma'am. That that would be accurate. And so you point to different events in your life throughout the book as a lesson. For, for healing. For instance, you talk about an awareness early in your life, began to be aware that there were people in the world who didn't like you because of the color of your skin. And, and you talk about how just that seemed so just unbelievable. Can you talk about that event? What happened when you were, I think it was the second grade? Yeah, I was at Girl Scout camp, brownie camp. And we were all about to go to sleep. And you know how you're supposed to stay up and say scary stories and do all those kinds of things. Well, I was the only, I was probably one of two little black girls in the, in the troop, in the chapter. But I think maybe I was the only one at camp that okay, night. Okay. And it's time to go to bed. We've already gotten in trouble a few times. We're supposed to be quiet. And then the, the brownie leader leaves and the girls say, all right, let's do something bad. And then they were like, well, what are we going to do? And then one of the girls said, oh, let's ask Wendy. She's black. She knows bad things. And I had never heard of anything like that before. I had no idea why she picked me out. And I had never known that because, you know, that black people do bad things. So it was a real shocker. And then these were my friends that I went to school with since kindergarten. This was our third year in the troupe. And um, so these so were strangers. Like, these weren't people you had just met. These were, were no. These were my classmates and one of my classmates, mom just was the leader. And okay. so all the little girls in the class went to this troop and this was like my third year and I had gone camping with them. I had, you know, so I was pretty shocked. And it's so funny because the girl who, who said this, you know, she was a, a Facebook connection up until President Obama started running. And when I was seeing what she was saying, I was, I just removed all them fools because I was just like, I, I can't. I can't, you know, they're just showing their ugly heads again. But so that was my one of my first understandings that it was supposed to be that black people did bad things. And then my another one happened with my grandparents in a rural area called Eastern Shore, Virginia. And I'm from the Jersey Shore. We went to the beach. You know, the beach was just like near. It was only eight miles from my home. Okay. And so we were a beach culture, the Jersey Shore beach culture. And so we go to the Eastern shore of Virginia for the summers and we're like, granddaddy, we want to go to the beach. We want to go to the pool. And he said, they don't let little black babies, little brown babies swim in the pool. And you, you could, you could have seen my little 
seven-year-old mouth just dropped to the floor because I had never considered that as a brown baby, I couldn't go to the pool. But what I was also aware of, and I can still remember, is that he looked pained when he told me that. I remember he was he put up his glasses on top of his forehead and he just, he said it. And I was like, ooh. So, you know, those two were very early on. And I'm going to yeah, you know, you know, I, I wanted you to um, give some detail because, you know, black folks in the world experience racism all day long, every day. Right. It's every perpetual, day oh, yeah, <laughs> perpetual. It's, it's there, it's there. And, and oftentimes, this is the real deal, that oftentimes it, uh, it moves us off of our perch. It has the negative effect that has us give up this idea of actually living our dreams, it, 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 it tends to, um, in some instances, quelch the fire. And th these examples are such potent reminders that it really doesn't have to. It right. really doesn't have to, which actually brings us to, and that's the, that's the value in going back and looking at, okay, what, what happened? And then examining now, as a child, you're going to have a particular response to that, typically. What are the opportunities that are presented here is always another way, a different way, perhaps, uh, of looking at any kind of challenge, any kind of uh, insult such that we get to really get another side of who we can be in the face of adversity. Right. And mm -hmm. so that, that brings me to something else that I read in your book. You said that at, at one point, and this is a quote, you said, I realized that what I considered good or bad as an experience was merely my perception. Right. My sister, when I read that, I said, hallelujah. Listen, <laughs> this is like, bing, 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 bing. This right here is nothing but the truth. And it sounds so very simple, but it is life transforming once we get this. This is my assertion here. So, so let, let's talk about that a little bit. That is that it's not the thing that happens, but it's what we make of the thing, our perception that right. defines how big, small, good, bad, or otherwise it might be. What do you mean by that? Well, I can give an example of what's happening now. You know, this is the current times. This is Corona shutdown. Um, and so I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that I, I've had these lessons over the years and been able to awaken myself and heal myself enough to know that what is happening now is not really about Corona. It's about, you know, an agenda that was in place since this, this country was, was stolen from the indigenous people. And just for clarity, you said when you refer to what has happened, you're talking about the incidents of racism. Is that what you're I'm talking about? what's happening now with the Corona right. virus that's in the United States. And when you said you're glad that you've had these experiences. This is I'm glad that I have started my journey of awakening already gotcha. Okay, gotcha. because I am surrounded by people who have not, they kind of have watched me from a difference. Some of them have maybe questioned my thoughts and questioned my motives and things like that. So I have gone on to create what I'm calling the Corona Conversations, 
for my friends who have now been jarred awake because of this situation that's happening. And I have given them the opportunity to choose whether they see this as a crisis or an opportunity. So it's all about perception. It goes back to the original thought of it's really all about perception. What can we learn at this time? So you can stay in fear and you can watch the news and get all scared and, you know, vibrate so low that your body and your immune system doesn't work so that you can fight it. Or you can choose to vibrate high and focus on things you love and exercise, eat right, even if you've never done it before. This situation, I think, has given us an awareness that we maybe some of us didn't have before. But you can choose whether it's going to be a crisis for you or an opportunity. So I do have some frenzied, very, very fearful family members and friends that I have been trying to share resources with um, so that they can kind of give it some perspective. Because, you know, it's easy to say you can choose. It's like you said, it sounds simple. But when you put it into practice to try to put it into practice, it's like a muscle that has to be strengthened. So now they just kind of like in boot camp, trying to figure out how they are going to choose to process what's happening now in fear or in getting their stuff together. You know what I mean? Let let me let me be a devil's advocate here. So you know you 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 know for for some listeners, you know this might be a little woo woo. What, what do you mean you can choose? How, how are you going to choose when you are reading about, hearing about people, you know, dying every day and at an accelerated right. rate? I mean, that that's real. That's not like, you know, I, I'm not choosing that this crisis be in front of me. So uh, this choosing piece, I mean, no, there's a real crisis. Again, I'm being the devil's advocate. There's of a real course. crisis. There's something going on here. Now, I say that. You know, in the in the space of crisis, I need to be at high alert because I may need to do something to save myself. What are you talking about choosing? Come on now. Right. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. So what I mean is that we do also and because it is both there. There is there's always a choice. You always have a choice. And so I've done five episodes online just to anybody who follows me. I put it on YouTube. I put it everywhere so that people can kind of get some perspective on what this really means so that they are not so fearful that they become paralyzed and can't make a move. Because you might have to make a move, but if you're scared, you're not making a move because you're paralyzed in place. What I hear you speaking to is the power of being with what is, not like what somebody says, not like what somebody reports, but being with what is, being responsible, Enough to determine what is it's not, again, someone else's interpretation. And right. I think this is a great uh, we're talking coronavirus here, but this is a, a principle that applies anywhere in life. So, for instance, let's take it out of the coronavirus um, realm and let's just talk about our day to day lives. When we find ourselves in circumstances that are uncomfortable initially or circumstances that we might describe are challenging that we don't really want to be in. You said something earlier, you you know, that has to do with how it is that you, you cause your experience of life. And so 
if that is the case, what do you say to people? Let's say you end up, I don't know, with poor health or a lack of money or in a bad relationship. You know, we want this conversation on the Magnificent Life podcast to really inform better lives, inspire better lives. How do you take that same principle of you create your experience of life and apply it to a woman who is in an abusive relationship? Well, you know, I think that offering support and offering compassion is first. Yes. And um, with my with people who follow me um, yesterday in my newsletter, I sent out a newsletter and asked everyone to start to take time to create their post corona vision for themselves because many of us are going to survive this and that was one of the questions what do you need to do if you're in a, a relationship that you are now understanding is not the best for you because now we've all have to been have to be home with each other and some people aren't used to being home with each other some people aren't used to being home with their children so it's a matter of um you have two things that you can do. You can pack and then you can pray. You, you always want to seek guidance and everything, but you also need to come up with a plan. So that's what I'm asking people. If you're a, in an abusive relationship, I, I wouldn't say just run right now because where are you going to go? But what I'm saying is this is an opportunity to start to create your plan and, and get your get your plan together now more than ever. And that's what I told, you know, my newsletter people yesterday. I'm like, now more than ever, you are becoming aware of certain situations that may have just gone over your head before, but it's the perfect time to start to create your plan. And it's 2020. So you can use the energy of the natural cycle of life new vision is 2020 the 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 new year came in and it offers a little bit of a boost if this is the work that you really want to do to get yourself on a different path if you feel like the path is needs to be changed some people like where they are but i know a lot of people who don't i i have a whole group of i have like about five or six little text groups going some with family some with friends and they're like okay i'm awake now i need to do something different. So I'm just saying, use this time to do it. So for somebody who's in an abusive relationship, I, I can't really speak to that other than to say, put your plan together. And then when it's time, your instinct will tell you when it's just time to go. You know, I, that's wow. all I can say on that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I realized that why I considered a good, something good or something bad was merely my perception. So look, mm -hmm. I am inviting our listeners to just look and see in your life where you are, how much is perception and how much space do you have to create something new, different, more, and what's really authentically aligned with, with your greater self. That's the right. opportunity. That was my question. Are you doing, do you think you're doing what the creator put you here to do? If you're not, then write down two things that you can do by the end of the week to start making, you know, taking steps to do something different. That was the homework I gave them yesterday. 
Excellent. Excellent. And if the vision is a bit expand, more expanded than you can hold right now, think about what makes you happy. I think that when we really just focus an awareness on how I feel in a moment, how things make me feel and be under particular circumstances, we get clues as to why we are here and what it is that we've come to do and what contribution we are here to make. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now wait, now see, I think, I, I don't know, you tell me if this is accurate, but I think from reading your book that there were some seeds planted in you at a very, very young age. For instance, you talk about how you went to see the whiz, how your mother <laughs> was really big on exposure and, you and Auntie Sylvia, you all went to see The Wiz and yes. the song that someone by the name of Luther Vandross wrote and composed. A lot of people don't, don't know that. I didn't know it either until I read your book. Yeah. There was a song um, that ended that particular production and the words just jumped off of your page. Everybody be glad because the sun is shining just for us. Those are lyrics. Like how many of us can be glad in this moment because the sun is shining just for us? Right. You know, like everybody wake up into the morning, into happiness. Who did that this morning? Who did that in, in the a.m.? Those kinds of instructions, I say, were seeds planted inside of you that you were able to nourish and, and appreciate as just that. And then, of course, the song ends with, can you? Feel a brand new day. I can almost hear, hear Stephanie Mills singing it in my ear right now. <laughs> it's just yeah. such a beautiful, beautiful affirmation. And, and so we ask on this podcast, can you feel a brand new day? No matter what is, is, is going on, can you feel a brand new day? When you can feel it, especially when you're talking to black folks, we know that it's done. It's a done damn deal. Excuse my friend. And so you you talk about that in your book. You talk about how you you leverage that and you performed the uh, Be a Lion presentation in school. Mm-hmm. Um, that begins nursery with- school. Yeah, we're talking nursery. <laughs> yes. oh my God, I was like, you know, this was a just a beautiful setup at a very very young age, and I mentioned that. Wendy, only because, you know, our listeners, you know, we're always at power. We are very powerful people. All people are powerful and we are always at power. We are always manifesting uh, and executing that power. The question becomes how, like in what direction are we moving the needle? And we, most of us have power, immediate power over young minds. And so I just wanted to underscore how such as what might be referred to as a a, a small experience or a limited experience had just, it just grew wings for you in your life. And I invite our adult listeners to do that, to put in place, to create opportunities for young people to hear that kind of instruction, to have those kinds of experiences so that we lay those kinds of seeds. Absolutely. Now, now what made you, what made you include music in your book? Well, I wanted to include music because it had such a, an, a remarkable, impactful um, place, important place in my life. And you were talking about vibration earlier, and that was the music part. That Stephanie Mills, I remember crying, but I was crying because I was happy. Like I was just so moved by the whole "Be a Lion" and by that song and by how it was being performed. 
So I was trying to figure out in my, you know, in my young mind, like how come I'm feeling this way? And then fast forward to my grandma at church when she would hear her songs, but she would cry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of remembered my Stephanie Mills experience, but for the most part, music always brought me joy. So when I'd be looking at her trying to make her stop from getting ready to bust a shout and I'm like, grandma, what's wrong with you? She's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy. I'm like, what you mean you happy? So that's how she coined the term for us. I'm, I was getting happy because we were like, well, you were crying. You didn't look happy. So it was just me learning in the beginning um, part of me understanding the power that music had and the vibration, depending on what kind you listen to, how it can make you happy or it can make you sad. And um, how I am still learning how to, and teaching my daughter who's 17, how to be careful with what I'm listening to, specifically at certain times, any kind of media, um, but music in general, because it has a certain vibration. And, you know, like you're saying, you have to be very careful about how you're feeling. So I'm very, very careful with the things that make me feel feel sad or start to pull my energy down or make me feel happy. So like I said, I'm still learning this. I'm doing it on a daily basis. But in the book also, I talk about a college boyfriend who I had a, a crazy relationship with, but then he was murdered about four years ago. And there was a song that we liked and I heard it the other day. And as I was listening to it for the last few years, I would always say, ah, that's our song. And then I would allow myself to go down into this sad place. Mm -hmm. But like last week, I was like, I am not listening to that. Mm -hmm. That was our jam. Mm -hmm. But I'm very conscious of my energy and I get to choose right now if I'm planning to go down that sad path. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm going to turn the station and listen to something else. So I made the choice and I had never done that before. And I was proud of myself because I felt like it was an awareness that I still have the right to choose. I choose the energy that I get to choose how I want to vibrate. And it was something small. Somebody might have thought I was being extra, but the energy is everything. And and extra, extra on behalf of your life is a wonderful. Right. Agree. Agree. Excellent pointing to. Excellent. So, so listeners, like, what are you listening to? What is the music? What are the soundtracks that are actually not just sources of of passive listening, but that you are allowing to enter into your mind, into your spirit, and to shape your emotions? Because that's what music does, whether you know it or you don't know it. You know. Just as an aside, because, you know, it's just me and you talking here, Wendy. I was listening to O.C. Smith just two days ago, my father's birthday. Um, who He's been an ancestor for quite a while. But I wanted to generate that energy of my of my father. And so I was listening to some old songs and O.C. Smith was. And I was just amazed at how quickly it took me to a place where I was like, no, pull up. Don't want to be yep. there. That's like, be aware. Is yeah is the point and the and what we're the lesson that we're pointing to with these examples. Now I want you to just talk about you know your your book is sister. It's just it's like that. It's just so chock full of not just stories, not just lessons, 
but discoveries, you know, it yeah. includes a reflection journal. You know, you get yes. this book up, you, you got a workbook, you know, it has prompts. You don't have to, it's not just like a journal where you begin to write, you know, freely what you, what comes to your mind, but it guides you. Your prompts in this book guides people to asking the questions that will further their discovery of the God and goddess they are. And you have these exercises, these, you know, workbook kinds of exercises. You have mantras, you have guided meditation. Oh my God, you have a little toolkit here. Yes. Talk about, yeah, talk. I want the world to know so that they can access this toolkit that is already done, ready, got your name on it, just waiting for you to pick it up. Go ahead, Wendy. Yes, well, I created the the toolkit part because, you know, people can and they do just pontificate about all the things that they know. And they sometimes sometimes they don't share the journey. And these are all the questions that I asked myself. And, um, you know, so it's not that I'm just like trying to tell people what to do. I'm showing you how I did it and some of the questions you can ask yourself. And, you know, the information is right there. It's, um, you can get a copy. I would love for you to get a copy. There's a digital version. There's a hard copy version. And I'm also working on my audio, um, but it's at wendycherry.com. Just W-E-N-D-I-C-H-E-R-R-Y.com. And, you know, I'm actually also creating a virtual book club since we'll be inside now. There'll be more time for yes. people who are, who are reading it. And um, it'll probably happen in April where I'm going to get a small group. We're just going to get online and we're going to go through the exercises together, probably over a six week period um, because I'm getting such great feedback from all ages. It's so funny. My girlfriend's dad is 86. Uh-huh. And he read the book uh-huh. and he he's divorced from her mom, but he asked my friend to, he apologized to her, first of all, and then he asked my friend to apologize to her mom because they had fibroids and surgeries. And, you know, I talk about the fibroids and I talk about my womb issues in the book as well and how I was addressing them. And it gave him an awareness that he'd never had. So mm-hmm. he apologized to my friend and he asked her to tell him he apologized to his ex-wife. And my friend called me and she was almost in tears because she was just like, he don't apologize for nothing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But he got such an awareness. So she can't, you know, I can't wait to meet him in person because he, you know, I didn't necessarily write it for an 86 year old male, but I'm realizing that it has, it's able to transcend. And another cute little, um, Thing about the book is that there was a white gentleman at my gym and you know I've seen him work out and whatever we we exchanged pleasantries here and there but one day he came and said oh I read the part about auntie so I talk about my aunt and my grandparents and how I was raised and my special relationship with my great aunt and I'm looking mouth wide open like how does he know about auntie and it clicked that he bought the books and I had no idea because he bought it on Amazon and I didn't know. And so he read it and he has come up with all of these different awarenesses from being a, you know, probably a 
a European man in the United States, he probably has never gotten uh, a, a look into the life of a black woman growing up in the United States. And he, he's been very moved by it and he shared it with his people. And, you know, I did not expect that. It was not written for him. It was written for us. But I'm grateful that, you know, sometimes the, the information needs to go to other places because everybody needs to know. Listen, contribution is contribution. And while we are having a conversation with particular community in mind, with black folks in mind throughout this world, you know, the things that we're talking about, the way of thinking, the thought principles, they are universal. They work. We just happen to be a people fully aware, I say, of that because we've been here on this planet for so long. We've had time to try and to error, to figure it out. And we stand through our cultural practices in those that knowledge in those principles. And sometimes we don't even know that's where we're standing. So I say to you, Wendy, look forward to expect many other people, black folks and other folks to really hold on to the richness and the truth that is your book. It really Thank is you. that. And, and just for you, for you guys to know, as we're winding down here, this book talks about um, childhood. It talks about relationships. It talks about as Wendy just indicated, her special relationship with the women in her life, her grandmother and auntie, her mother. It talks about how through intimate relationships, we get to see ourselves better and ask ourselves some hard questions um, that actually allow us to be and grow into our larger selves. She takes you through health challenges, through all her personal stuff, honey, but it ain't personal. My mom was like, yeah, the personal stuff. My mom was like, oh, Wendy. <laughs> Did you have to? <laughs> she said, you just put it all out there, put huh? All that. I, I mean, was like, well, I'm trying to get this healing. You know what I'm saying? And that is a part, I say, a part of the healing. So the fibroids, pregnancy, relationships, all kind of other health challenges. I mean, you you really do offer a great example of what is available when one sits and determines through awareness what is being what one is being guided to do and to be in this in this world for him or herself so your book is just such a contribution again i, I want i want you to know that number 1 thank you absolutely and i want our audience to hear that too this is you know we, we don't have to suffer <laughs> let me just put a period behind that because right. There's so many resources, particularly in the digital age, that are here to support us and to give us that which we are wanting, needing, and will prosper from. So this is a resource that fits in that category. I can't encourage you enough to, to pick the book up, order it, a digital copy, or however you you most enjoy reading it. It soon will be an audio. You said by, what did you say, June, July, something like that? No, probably at the, at the end of the month. I am working on it. I'm just trying to, I, it's already recorded. I've done everything. I'm just trying to figure out the best way to package it and get it out. Wonderful. So even, yeah, even earlier than I was thinking. So that's, that's even more good news. It's available is my point. And so yes. I, I just have a couple of questions I'd like to ask you, Wendy, before we end this conversation. Tell me, what, what is it that has you actually living your life in such a way that you celebrate being a black woman? Oh, 
Well, I, I just, I mean, I, I'm clear now. I'm awakened and I realize that the Black woman is the mother of, you know, we are the mother of creation. I understand our place in, in the world and in creation. So, and then I, we didn't mention this, but I also traveled to Kemet with Tony Browder and I got to see the writing on the walls myself in addition to his lectures and reading his books. And then I actually did my over the writing on the wall we're not talking oh. as rhetoric or allegory here what writings on what walls oh, just so a little bit the, yeah. you know just because Kemet is the the oldest recorded society and they have the recordings they have recorded just all of their history and how great we were and you know, it has been, some of it has been stolen, but much of it is still there. And so, I, like I said in the beginning, I had been a sheep for so many years and I still read Tony's books and other books, but I still needed to see the greatness and the magnificence for myself. So I was able to go with him and we went to the Valley of the Kings and the Queens. We went to um, Hatshepsut's and we went, to, we went to Nubia. Like we went to- Mother. A, a village and I was in a woman's home and she painted my, she, she put um, henna on my arm. Like I was there. So now nobody can tell me anything because I saw for myself. So that's what I mean about the writing on the wall. I was able to see the pyramids and be in the tomb of Karaka men myself. And the, the, the metal nature is what we're referring to as the, yes, the metal what we often know as the hieroglyphs. So. The hieroglyphs, so right. The metal nature. Okay. Okay. So that's what I meant. I mean, you know, you, so you, so I'm pretty clear. I'm pretty clear, and it just makes me feel so good. And then I did my African ancestry test in 2007, 2015. Oh, no. I went and put my feet on the soil there, mm -hmm. and I realized the maternal ancestral connection. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give a offering to my who I say the kidnapped grandmother who was brought here in whatever state she was, whether she was already a grown woman, whether she was a little child, I just wanted to thank her. And yes. so I was able to do that. And I made up that ritual on the fly by myself and it was very healing. And so being a black woman right now is so, it always was, it's just that my awareness of how yes. powerful we are is very heightened and it is my pleasure and it is my honor to share it with other people. Like, I feel like that's what my purpose is, is to share and, and be the little nudge that says, come on, sis, wake up now. Because I feel like when you heal a woman, then you heal a nation because usually the woman is the one who manages the house. So if she's awakened, then she'll slowly but surely awaken her husband and her children. So. That's what I feel like. I, I'm a mirror guide. Like I'm still looking in the mirror and still navigating my ways through some things, but I have a little bit of information that some of the people I know don't have yes. so I can help guide them to their own mirror to do their own work. Go ahead, step into that pool of melanin that you're talking about. Just immerse yourself and be nourished by who you are is what I hear you saying. Yes. And so finally, finally, what is it in your estimation? What does it mean to live a Blacknificent life? What does that mean to you? To live a Blacknificent life is to understand who you are, mm -hmm. 
and to stand unapologetically in that greatness and to live out the purpose that the creator brought you here to do. Powerful. Well, I have to say to you that you exemplify living a Blacknificent life. Thank you. You represent the possibilities that are infinite and the explosion that occurs when we dare to step into those possibilities and begin to just try out and trying on some of the things that are marinated in the back of our heads as possibilities. Because if you can think it, absolutely, that is something that is beckoning your, your actions to amplify. And so I thank you for listening to whatever those, those ruminations were in the back of your head. Thank you. I thank you for doing the work that has produced the book. Um, but even before the book, I thank you for leaning into your ancestry, into who you are as an African woman, and actually manifesting what you found in the way of the book, the radio show, the, the company of sanctuary that you provide for black women everywhere. Thank you so very, very much. Tell us again where people can catch up with you, Wendy. Where they can okay. Well, my website is wendycherry.com. That's W-E-N-D-I and cherry like the fruit.com. And then I am also on Instagram at awaken and heal. Wonderful. Wonderful. So listen, folks, get it while you can. You know, nothing is actually guaranteed tomorrow. And I say that when you are aware and actively moving towards living the great life that you absolutely can, then more and more resources come your way. So be sure to go check out Wendy Cherry's work, her contribution, and it, it will, I say, be a contribution to your, to your life. Thank you again for being with us, Wendy. I look forward Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Oh, Truly, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, it is a, a, an absolute, absolute treasure to do this. And so finally, I want to just tell you as we wind down here that I am grateful that you were here to listen to this podcast. I hope that you heard something that informed and inspired your journey to live greatly because it's our pleasure to give it to you. Again, I am Sister Dr. Mwangaza Michael Bondale saying thank you for visioning more for yourself and taking the actions required to craft that magnificent life. Indeed, your magnificent life. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Blacknificent Life Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our email list at www.blacknificentlife.com. And whatever you do, be sure to consciously, consistently, and courageously craft your own Blacknificent Life. Until next time.